So we got a little Q&A. What we're going to be doing now is a business breakthrough. I think Maggie's here, Austin, uh, Alex might be popping in. So really uh, the goal here, guys, so what this is, it's not just like a typical Q&A, um, really want to hear specific problems in the business. Um, so if you're dealing with a specific problem in your business, we can actually turn your mic on. So we can actually bring you up as a speaker here. So if you want to uh, talk with us, um, just write in, write in the comments, uh, you know, me, and you can come on, you can turn your mic on and ask a question. You can tell us about what's going on in your business and, uh, and we'll be able to answer that for you. So let's see what you guys got. So if you want to just, just comment, uh, in here. Okay. We got me, Caleb, I'm going to bring you up first, bud. Uh, so let's get you in here, man. So we're going to go here. I'm going to allow you to talk. Go ahead, brother. So you, you got to turn on your uh, your mic and you you can fire away, my man. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you hear me okay? Yes, sir. All right. Well, um, so I made a big no-no and I hired a, a friend and he's been doing project management for me. Um, and he's not very good at it really just yet. It's only been about a month. He's, sure. he's into it he's got a lot of management experience so he knows how to manage people and and fight fires and stuff so he's been able to like mitigate a lot of conflict resolution and stuff but it's been you know he doesn't know the trade he's not a painter he doesn't have any kind of background in that i'm wondering if i made a mistake in bringing him on or if i just haven't given him enough time to really develop into it how long how long's it how long's it been i mean how long have you how long have you had him uh working alongside with you he just crossed over a month and okay. and you're starting to see some uh, red flags, right? Well, um, yeah, just because he's, uh, you know, not really having the clearest communication with the staff. Uh, most of our guys speak Spanish and he doesn't. So that's kind of been difficult, I think. But also it's been like pretty much every job there's there's something that was misinterpreted between my handoff to him or his handoff to the staff. I had a PM for six months before and we had some problems in the beginning, but we were able to work through them. I'm just wondering if maybe I'm too early in judging whether or not it's going to work out or, or what I think he's got. Yeah. Some well, my question is, is what did the, what, what expectations were set and what was the training? Like, I mean, the worst thing we could do is let someone go if they weren't given the proper foundation. It's even worse that it's a friend because this could ruin a relationship. And that's the risk that you, sign up for when you bring on a friend so what were the expectations what did you outline and what did training look like for this person so i basically had him shadow me for the first uh you know two or so weeks and then i kind of held pulled back and i would just shadow him essentially and when we were doing that we weren't really having the problems but i was there and i don't think i realized maybe some of the things that i was clearing up in the moment and so just like things getting painted in the wrong color, um, you know, different materials being mixed around and different stuff like that. Um, just kind of simple problems, really, but things that end up costing more money. And, you know, are you doing under 500,000 or over 500,000? So we're at about 40 to 50 a month right now. Okay. Um, so a little bit over. And are you very growth? focus right now i mean you're trying to you want to hit a million you want all of the things that come with that i mean is that some people don't so that's why i'm asking i mean is this one of your goals is to like really cross that threshold 
Yeah, that's my only objective, really. Only objective. So let me just make it clear. Right now, you know, you're the, you know, anyone that you have, and Nick mentioned it, you know, you have leadership positions, right? And he he pretty much said, you know, this is the risk of a leadership position. And the longer you let this person stay there, the longer you're, you know, you're at the mercy of how how uh how much how much time they're gonna invest in filling their own uh, shortcomings, right? So learning, I mean, if you don't feel like this person is contributing above and beyond what they're told to do, then you don't have the right fit in what I consider a startup. I think any painting business under a million dollars is in the startup phase of their business. And what that really means is it's volatile. They need to understand that, first of all, what you're asked to do is the bare minimum. Would you agree with that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel as though that the person who we're, who we're referencing here goes above and beyond what's asked of them, or they do just exactly what you ask of them? If not less, if not less, it's not the right fit. You're not going to, you're not going to develop character at this stage of your business. I think if you're at Nick's stage and you have someone coming out of college, he has a system that he can put someone in. It's a proven path of what success in project management looks like. It's like, hey, project management looks like this in our business. I need you to follow this path of success. Someone came before that kid in college and paved the way with Nick by being selfless, by contributing ideas, by going above and beyond, by forming what project management looks like in Caleb's company, right? But right now you don't have a good counterpart doing that. So if you don't have a good counterpart doing that, what we're doing is we're just keeping someone around because we, and just be honest, you probably didn't really pre-qualify this person. I think the friendship thing happened. The opportunity was there. A conversation occurred and you tried something out. And now is the best time to rip the bandaid off. Absolutely. Now yeah. is the best time. And it's hard. And I, and, and I want to give uh, everybody else a chance too, but what would you recommend for like, finding somebody better, better suited. Well, now you know what you don't want, right? I mean, I think this wasn't a waste of time. Yeah. You know, I think now you know what happens when you don't properly vet a project manager. I think whatever you're paying this person, you should you, you should consider increasing that amount by 25% to get someone with experience. And I think you might look at it like, well, how much time are you losing by having to train this person, having to go behind them, having to get to a point where, you know, you're, you're losing your head or you can pay someone 25% more, which creates a more attractive job uh, posting. And you might even find someone that's bilingual. Imagine that scenario. You get someone that's bilingual that has some sort of construction management experience that wants to help you grow your business and teaches you what project management should look like based on what they learned. I think that is the ideal applicant. And I think it just takes doing at least 10, 10 interviews to find that person. Yeah, no, you hit it on the head. I really appreciate that. Sure, man. Good luck to you. Anyone else want to come up? Uh, you got to keep commenting in the chat. Yeah. So let's see. I got uh, Travis. Let's bring Travis up. My buddy, Travis. Hold on, Travis. Let's get you in here. Any of my panelists uh, alive here? I know that you guys are busy. I got Alex here. Mike's there. <laughs> Mike's there. Uh, and Mike, you want to message Austin? Just let him know we're at the Q and A part. He might, I think he wanted to come in. Um, all right, Travis, let's get you in here. I know Alex is here. Go ahead, Travis, fire away, bro. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. 
hey, first off, just wanted to say thanks for putting this together. This is really amazing. And everybody should be uh, listening to Tanner's podcast. It's awesome. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, so I have a few different questions I could ask, but uh, in general, I wanted to update you. Since we last spoke, I made my first hires and really started to feel like I hit a bit of a groove in selling and, you know, just scheduling out work. So I'm feeling pretty uh, great about like where we're at now. Now I'm just trying to diversify where my leads are coming from and uh, network, doing that by a network and trying to get it to be more organic. Um, my main sort of issue in the past few weeks, in the past month with new hires and stuff has been uh, cash flow with dealing with um, new guys who aren't necessarily just all of a sudden, you know, expediting work and, you know, being efficient right off the bat. Uh, I believe I'm going to work through those things, but I kind of was curious on your take on uh, partnering with people uh, in, as far as investing, uh, finding investors for your business. Is that something that you have an opinion on one way or another for a startup, somebody in the early phases, or think that's something you should avoid, or is, is it uh, something that you think about a lot? Mike hit on this earlier. Let's just say, instead of investor, we'll call it a franchise opportunity, right, Mike? You, let, Mike, why don't you take the lead on that one? Sorry, I, I kind of zoned out. Can you just, just give me the question real quick? As far as partnering goes, uh, finding a partner in a, as a startup, um, is that something you would avoid or? Um, I mean, personally, I am uh, I'm a fan of doing things uh, solo and not using partners. And instead of finding a partner, finding um, someone who you can hire uh, to do the various roles. I mean, the truth of the matter is that like, starting a painting company is not super hard. And as long as like, that's your mentality, that it's not going to be super hard. Like you can do it yourself. And especially at the start, you can, you can definitely do it yourself and you can get to that point. It's just about having those right, uh, that right mindset and the right benchmarks for how you should do it. So like, for example, when someone's just starting their business and now they have a lot of work and they, they tell me like, Hey Mike, there's no way that I can recruit painters because I'm too busy painting all the time. It's like, hey, why are you painting all the time? Well, because I need to get production done. Well, why aren't you recruiting all the time if you need to get production done, right? Because as long as you're painting, you're just making $50 an hour. So take four hours a week off of the tools and spend those four hours on recruiting. And all of a sudden, in a week from now, you're going to have a painter and double your production capacity, right? So it's just about reframing what you're doing, reprioritizing um, how you spend your time. And you should be able, you shouldn't need a partner to start it to grow your painting business. Unless, unless that partner comes with a huge advantage that you could not otherwise get. So if they have, a, if they have, you know, $2 million of booked work and they just don't, they're just like overwhelmed or whatever. And they're like, you know, that's the, that's the strategic advantage or, you know, for example, then maybe consider it. But if they're just some guy that can, is going to also work just as hard as you not worth half the business. Great. Yeah, my thoughts are, you know, to to kind of just, you know, I guess I'll just echo that. I mean, I don't think you need a partner. I think what you're experiencing right now in this is a partnership and we're not asking you for a profit of your business. You know, I think that a partner is signing up with uh, Austin to help you with your marketing. Imagine if you didn't know Austin, he came up to you and said, hey, I'm really good at marketing and painting business. I can get you some leads. Why don't you give me 10% of your business? You know, he's not doing that. He's charging a month to month fee. Same thing with Mike, you know, uh, that's your partner in terms of coaching. 
um, you know, and let's say, you know, you are a partner of drip jobs, right? So, I mean, I think like you can really rely on uh, the resources to get what you would want out of a partner. Partnerships can get messy, man. I think if you just stay linear, you know, outsource things you don't know um, and protect your interest in your business, because once you give it up, it's very hard to get it back. I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Anybody else want to come up to uh, the stage here? I got someone else here. Uh, let's come up. Eric's joining us too. So Eric can chime in on questions. Uh, I got someone up. It says Zoom user. So if you could just tell us your name, because it just says Zoom user. Hey, it's Jose. I don't know if I, that's me on the, on the mic. Hey, Jose, how you doing, bud? Doing good. Doing good. So I wanted to chit chat with you about drip jobs. Sure. All right. So I'm actually in the process of building a CRM using Go High Level. And um, I didn't know if your program was uh, open to working with other programs. So Go High Level is a it's it's a marketing program built for marketers that gets handed to contractors. Great program. Very powerful program. We would not speak with that program. I would consider them a direct competitor. Um, I, I can speak to this. Sure. <laughs> so, all right. So we use Go High Level kind of in the background for reporting um, and more or less connections, but we do not give our clients direct access to that. And the reason is it's extremely buggy. Now you might, I don't know, how long have you been using Go High Level or are you just getting it set up today? No, so it's something I've been working on for months. We built our own uh, program way back in like the early 2000s. And we've been using that with uh, great success, but you know, we're looking to get all the new functionality that you can get nowadays. Okay. So drip jobs has 95% of the functionality that go high level has the other 5% are things you don't need. Um, if you're looking at kind of a, just a plug and play solution, I'd highly recommend looking at drip jobs. And again, we market for painters. We use that as a backend lead source, uh, or, um, a backend reporting system, but the amount of bugs you're going to run into with that platform are really going to cause some big headaches. Um, we have things like notifications not going out, uh, dropped leads, you know, some pretty serious issues that just pop up from time to time. And their support can I share, is, is- Can I share an anecdote, my, Austin? I'm sorry? Can I share an anecdote here? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I tried using Go High Level to build a painter CRM. I hired developers, we built it out, we spent a lot of money, and then we shut it down and handed everything over to Tanner. <laughs> because like like we know what we're doing and it wasn't that good like they're just so limited it's okay it's a good tool to use if you're like an online business and you need to do certain things and automate some tasks and aren't customer facing but it's it's so limited and like you have a plug and play solution it's just there's just so much better uh that's already done and you don't have to so, around everything would it be safe to say that uh what you try to build on go high level is integrated into drip jobs Yes, 100%. And drip job is customizable too. Yeah, okay. you can do a lot of customization. I mean, I think definitely do a demo. See, you'll you'll find there's a lot of similarities because really, I mean, Go High Level is great. It's a phenomenal software. It just is packed with things you don't need as a contractor. And, you know, something as simple as scheduling jobs or invoicing customers. And I'm sure they're starting to build some of these things. But again, like, you know, sending work orders. You can't send a work order for Go High Level because it's not designed for contractors. So just something as simple as that, um, you know, you're going to find with with our software, it's just designed for a contractor. It has this the power of Go High Level and it's been stripped down in a sense um, to just zero in on what we do every day, our buying cycle, our sales cycle, because 
it's a software that marketers use to market to contractors and then they hand it to contractors to use to sell to their customers. So they're trying to do too much. Um, and we all know that if we try to paint, do flooring, drywall, remove popcorn, it's the same thing. We, we won't specialize in one thing. So that's, that's, that's the mindset behind it. Let me, let me just chime in uh, really quick. Sure. Um, so with, with T Tanner will tell you probably Austin too, cause he's my partner as well. He helps me out. Uh, I'm not the tech guy, right? I, I am not, even though I have a 3 million going up dollar business, um, like drip jobs literally saved, saved my life. Like it did everything I ever wanted it to do. It was my admin. <clears throat> I, I did everything from it, from my phone. I mean, he, I would tell him some things and then he would fix it immediately. Like they just are updating, they're fixing. I, I, I look at my phone, something's easier the next day. And I'm talking about <laughs> multiple times a month and I get on, I'm like, I'm pretty picky about certain things. So um, it's, it's just nonstop improvement. And that's who he is. So I'm telling you like Tanner, he's never going to stop making it better. He's is going to be the best thing out there. Uh, that's just who he is, like because he he honestly doesn't do it for the money. He does it from his heart to make sure everyone has the best system and his name's on it. And he takes a lot of pride in being a, a phenomenal human being. And that is, and you could tell from the system. Yeah, it's I look at it like this. You know, I've had software where, um, you know, it, you don't have an update in a month. The the customer service is like non-existent, and it's like I understand that this software is your business. Like we, if, if drip jobs goes down, my phone will get 400 text messages, like <laughs> within a minute, like it, it could be, Hey, sorry, we just did an update. It was like a three second freeze. Like, hold on. You know, we just had to change something. Right. So I understand the, the severity of leading a company that you, it, this is not just a normal product. You guys are out in the field you are using this at nighttime to send to your customers. If you don't get the message across to your customers the right way, it could negatively impact your business. So, you know, I take this to the 10th degree, not only in terms of just customer service, you guys will find me at one o'clock in the morning responding to help help articles, help desks. Like I just understand where we're at in the business right now. But the flip side of that is innovation. Like you have to know that the company that you invest in for software is innovating because if we elevate what we do, that means that you're going to elevate what you do. We have not raised the price one time since starting the software. And some people have asked us to raise the price. Honestly, I think Juan did. He told, texted me yesterday. He's like, dude, raise your price. I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, and, and part of the reason why is, is because, you know, we're bought in by the community. It's a community funded software. I mean, we don't have any funding. We don't need funding. Every decision that happens in that software is up to me. Um, and what's cool is people text me and say, hey, can you get this in the software? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll put it in the software. We just put chat GPT in the software. I mean, no one's doing that awesome. that fast. You have to, they have to go through a board of directors to get things done. Jobber took $60 million in funding. Uh, you know, there, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but we're taking Jobber's customers because for some somewhere, somewhere down the line, whoever's making the decisions isn't listening to the end user. Um, that's something I'm passionate about. Uh, so I hope I won you over at the very least to do a demo. This isn't what this was about. You know, you see drip jobs. We want to give you a free trial. This is about just growing the culture and giving you an opportunity to have a voice when it comes to the tool that you use every day to sell jobs. And that's my mission is to make sure that's possible. Understood. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, let's get, uh, I got somebody else coming up. Who else, uh, wanted to come up, raise your hand guys. Cause then I can jump in. I got Will Carnes next. Will, I'm going to bring you up. All right, bud. 
let's get you in here. Will Carnes, we're going to allow you to talk. And you're coming up, Will. So just make sure you turn on your mic, brother. Go ahead. Fire away. All right. Can you guys hear me okay? We can. Awesome. Well, hey, we're, you know, we, we, uh, we, we hit about one and a quarter million last year and are struggling with growth from that point upward. Um, we really hit the markets really well that we're wanting to. Um, we're, we're very specific with, you know, the type of jobs that we're, that we take on. Um, and in doing so, somewhat limits the, the availability of jobs that, you know, are, are passed our way. However, we're still looking to grow within our target audience. Um, and, and was, I'm, I'm just looking for advice from you guys on, on what you would recommend looking into to help just gain more leads. And, you know, our, our lead conversion rates pretty, pretty solid. Um, our, our price points are really good and and we're just looking to get more leads into our pipeline so i'll um i'll go ahead and jump in here and uh i think mike can probably speak to some of this as well but let me first start by asking where are you guys located at we're we're in chattanooga tennessee okay yeah so um we may have spoke before but uh are you guys looking to expand anywhere else or are you pretty much at home there we're we're pretty much at home here um you know we we have a couple smaller areas outside of Chattanooga that you know we we also service however those are more specific neighborhoods um, that we that we try and get into because they're just a lot of those homes aren't as well frankly they're, they're just not as high end as we're we're looking for as far as our target audience is concerned and what kind of marketing are you doing today <laughs> That's a fun question. So we're we're very heavily looking into um, a couple different things, and and my boss is heavily involved with that as well. So I, I work with with Hayden Croxel, my my brother in law, um, and I, I'm the lead estimator. But he is looking into a couple different um, just online marketing, you know, Google SEO, all all that fun stuff, um, and. We're, we're basically trying to find what's going to work well for us. What's your ideal type of job? Our, our ideal type of job is, is, you know, residential 350K for the house and up. You know, that's, that's not a hard stop if anything's under that, but that's, that's kind of the baseline of what we want a majority of our jobs to be is that 350,000 price point for the house. Um, yeah. So, so not, not a, not a tumble down shack. What's that? <laughs> not a tumble down shack. Like a right, right. Yeah. So did you see my, you saw my slides on, on the marketing channels? Yeah. 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 Do you screenshot that? Cause you just want to do it all. I did. Like, I screenshot so many things. You're in a million and a quarter. You want to get to two mil. Like you, you need all of the channels firing all of the time. You need strategic partnerships. That is huge. Get in with property managers, realtors, builders, GCs. Hire a strategic mar- partnership uh, manager. Someone who spends 40 hours a week whining and dining, property managers, realtors, builders, GCs. Right? Dropping off goodies, dropping off, uh, you know, that- Be that- there, be present, right? Um get door-to-door teams going, like it, it, get kids to go door-to-door every single day. You'd be, it's crazy how effective that is. 
right? Like those are the cheapest, easiest ways to get started. Because then you can- Yeah, he will. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop a link in the chat here. If you want to book a call with us, I'd be happy to talk through what you're doing today, what's working, what's not working. We can kind of dive through that entire process there, but that's that's what we do. I mean, we we market painters online. There's a ton of offsite strategies that people like Mike can definitely help with. Uh, our bread and butter is how we can get your phone ringing online. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I love that. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Will, for the question, man. Get with uh, get with Austin. Uh, that's never a bad idea. And congrats on the business, Will, man. That's uh, that's impressive. That's, that's huge. A month, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for your time. Of course, of course. All right, guys, we got time for a few more. If you guys want to jump in, say me. Someone said me. Cynthia, uh, I think you said me, so I'm going to bring you up here if I can. Let's get you going. Um, and then if anybody else wants to jump in, we got a few more minutes. Don't be shy. Come on up. Just a couple people talking. Uh, I got Mike coming in. Mike, Wista. hold on one second. Trying to figure out how to. Hold on. All right, so we got Mike coming up. Participants, Mike. All right, bringing you up, Mike. If you could just uh, unmute your mic, Mike. And yep. Hear me? What's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. Fire Good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I know. So I actually just popped a question in there right there, but I'll obviously ask it um, over voice here. So currently uh, located about 80 miles east of a, of a metro area, about three, four million in population. Uh, current area that I work in and, and about 80% of our work is in this area that's 80 miles away, um, you know, growing, obviously, but curious on opinions on opening a second location, moving back to um, said metro area that obviously has a way bigger, you know, cap and population um, and market. Austin, you want to grab that one? Yeah, I'll jump in here. So you're relocating, you said 80 miles, is that correct? Um, yeah, so so right now, really, um, you know, we started kind of in that Twin Cities, Minnesota area um, and kind of work in college took me out east to, you know, where I actually reside at college now. And about 80, 90% of our business is in this current location at about $80,000 or 80,000 people for population. But we do have about 20% of our work in the metro area that we actually sub out most of it. And it's just really hard, you know, juggling, you know, 80 miles away is kind of my, uh, you know, my um, bottleneck at the moment. So are you looking to shift your target audience focus to the Twin Cities area? Um, I don't know. I mean, eventually, you know, that's the bigger market, you know what I mean? The bigger shark, a lot more work to go around. Um, yep. really like where we're at here. I mean, we've grown a, you know, a, a little smaller town, so it's a little easier to, to get a bigger name and everyone kind of knows everybody a little bit more. Um, but obviously there's always a bigger shark to catch. And, you know, I'm just curious on, you know, um, opinions on jumping over there. Cause we have done work there before and we have a little bit of work there now, but in terms of focus, um, or maybe opening a second location, a franchise potentially. Bingo. Uh, okay. So there's a few different thought processes here. The franchise is the one that I would probably recommend, but the one thing to keep in mind is the twin cities area is an oddly competitive region. All right. So we, we market a few different companies out there. It's very competitive. 
Um, you have some big, big players out there too, but in general, depending, I don't want to get too technical on like the business profile side on Google, but if you already have a business profile set up, you already have an address registered at your current location, it's probably worth filing for a DBA in the state, getting that second address established. That way you have that documentation and setting up a second Google business profile in the Twin Cities area. That way you can attack both locations. You're never going to have one drop off. And then you can just simply build up that second location over time. Anytime you make a big transfer like that, where you're moving from one city to another, you're going to expect a big drop off there. So the more that you can preserve what you have and build up that second area, as long as you're comfortable making that drive, I would definitely recommend that, that option. Awesome. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys. Um, we got a, uh, got maybe time for one more question. If you guys want to jump in, if anyone wants to come in, uh, speak now. And we got Evan, Evan Simmons. Come on up. Come on down, man. Simmons. We got 90 people here, guys. No one's got a question. Awesome. Awesome. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you, Evan. What's up, bro? Hey, I appreciate you guys. This has been an awesome, awesome day. Appreciate all you guys. Um, I had a question that was kind of similar to the first question you guys had, but um, I'm kind of in a transition period here with my business where um, I just lost my production manager um, who had been with me for a little over two years. Um, I just hit my four-year anniversary of business. And um, yeah, long story short, it's been eye-opening. It kind of refreshed me in a way um, and given me an opportunity to kind of take a step back and get a better overview of where I'm at and how I want to move forward. And um, yeah, I guess was just looking for any thoughts or insight um, being in that position. I do have an admin um, and I've been doing all the sales and estimates, um, but before losing my production manager, I was kind of in the um, thought that I wanted to, um, you know, possibly bring on somebody to do sales as well to kind of get me out of the day to day. So I feel like I'm at a place now where, um, you know, again, I kind of have two opportunities on the sales and production side, um, but just thoughts on kind of transition in general and just any advice you guys would give to me um, right now. Last year, we did about 700K in revenue and are about on pace to do the same, but, you know, still searching to try to hit that elusive $1 million mark too. So um, how, did, yeah, you, how did you lose your production manager? Like what, how did that transpire? Yeah, it was one where he just had an opportunity to go work with another construction company um, that's a roofing company okay. pretty much. But it was just something that kind of had ran its course. Um, overall, I would say that, you know, he was a great employee. And again, my first employee, but I felt like I did a lot of maneuvering to kind of make him fit him. Was, was, he, a, was but, he a crew leader? Like, was he on the job painting or was he someone that actually yeah. managed crews? Just managed crews. Okay. Um, and did he um, give you a two-week notice? He did. So, like, for me, just off the bat, if, if, my, if I knew my crew leader, let's say, not a project manager, like, I look at, like, that as a red alert, right? If a project manager is leaving, I'm scrambling to get ads out because that's a, that's a huge void in your business. And it sounds like he's gone now, right? He is. He's gone. And how long has it been since he left? Um. Actually, yesterday was his first yesterday? day. <laughs> first here. day somewhere else. So yeah. I'll, I'll let the other guys chime in. But for me, at least, the moment he would have told me he's leaving, I already have ads out and I'm already canvassing because I know it's going to take about sure. a month for me to get somebody to actually do this job to the standard I want it done for them to be trained. 
um, for them. I mean, there's this time period that has to occur. So I think that you're a little behind the eight ball. If you, I don't know if you've done this or not. I'm just saying the way it sounds is that you kind of really haven't hit the gas on getting someone else in his position yet. And it's only going to prolong the next step. I could be wrong, but that's kind of what it feels like. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to others. I did get a, an ad out right away because I was already in the midst of kind of hiring, um, you know, looking to bring on an assistant to kind of help him or support him. Um, and I think if anything, I've been reluctant and probably hesitating um, just because, you know, even being in the field for the last two days, it just feels like, you know, maybe that position needs to be overhauled or rethought um, out. Um, Cause I have great painters. It's not a quality control type position. It's really just the intermediate between our customers. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to decipher if it really needs to be a full-time position, you know, if I'd be better off, you know, hire maybe part-time to kind of just, you know, deliver pain and interact with customers. So I guess it's a moving part, but I do have applicants and people I've spoken to, but I'm kind of in a, you know, hey, take a step back and get in a better overall view of where I'm at before I move forward. And maybe that's the wrong approach. I have a, I have a question. Um, so maybe I wasn't listening at first, but did he, why did he leave? Um, he just had another opportunity um, to work with a, a roofing company and just. Felt and then, like, but uh, why, why did he give you a reason? He's like, hey, man, I got to go because of. It was that he just said that he could make more money, that there was an opportunity that he couldn't pass up. And okay. um, did you ask him how much money he's making extra? I did. Was it significantly more than you would consider an investment in that position? hundred percent. Okay. All right. Cause I would say I pay my project manager way more <laughs> than any other project manager. I, I pay mine probably over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and I, but I, I, you know, I, we do eight jobs a week, but you know, he, I would say he's, he doesn't even, he just, he's so efficient. Like, I don't, I don't have to worry about anything. Uh-huh. Pain. Uh-huh material anyone calls done like do you know like that is i'll pay more for this guy who's phenomenal at this position so i could go and do the sales and or get a sales guy to train so that then i'm out of that position so um for me like that that guy uh may not be as important in your in your world but you got i i feel like i always overcompensate people who are on a high level where they're full accountability. I don't have to stress out about them and I'll give them the money to stay. Like all my guys could probably own their own business, but I give them enough love, uh, attention, mental growth and money for them never to ask to leave. Well, you made a comment, Evan, and I'll let Mike jump in. He He had a comment. You made a comment that it seems like it's like a fresh start for you. And by you saying that, you know, I think in some cases this even happened to me. Someone was found another opportunity and I, I wasn't fighting to keep them because uh-huh. I wouldn't long to let them go. Is uh-huh. that, is that where you're at? And that's exactly where I'm at. I think I that if anything, this is you kind said of it was your first disguise. employee. So yeah. you guys had maybe bad habits in the beginning. You kind of learned each other, got comfortable and it's hard to change old habits with somebody who was with you from the beginning. And uh-huh. now I'm looking at it like, okay, now I know what I want. I think clearly defining what you want is going to be key. Mm. I'll let Mike jump in now. Thank you. Love that. Tanner, Tanner you just said it. <laughs> you need to clearly yeah. define what you want, right? Write yeah. down the exact job that you like, not don't, don't think about it in a sales description, but like write down task by task, what you want this person to do. Once you have the list, then put it into a job. 
and pay for that role. If it is just yes. like, if it's just a gopher, you know, you're paying 15 bucks an hour, right? But if it's someone who's dealing with customers, picking up checks, scheduling jobs, uh, dealing with PSNF, like pain systems and failures, managing crews, like that's a higher level job. Now we're looking at salary, right? Now we're looking at incentives, profit sharing, quality bonuses. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, it's, it's important to have the compensation plan. Uh, the outcome of the compensation plan needs to be the behavior that you want right? Compensate wow. for the behavior that you want. So if you want high quality, compensate for that. If you want happy painters, compensate for that. If you want happy customers, compensate for that. And just like find a way to build those into the, uh, into the equation. And Love hey, that. Evan, I'm going to jump in here as somebody who's not a painter, but um, can attest to what Mike is preaching here. So I pay a significant amount of money, uh, more than some salaries for business coaching. And our marketing agency is run exactly how Mike is preaching. So processes, job descriptions, those all need to be defined. You should have growth plans in place as well. So if they meet certain KPIs, it gives them the incentive to stick around. I would highly recommend booking a call with Mike for, for that one in particular. Awesome. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Hope to see you tomorrow, Evan. Thank you so much. Thanks I got being here, Evan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. We got Cynthia. Uh, let's see, Cynthia. I skipped her. So I don't know. She might come in here kind of mad at me. Cynthia. Here we go. All right. So, hey, Cynthia, you're up. Hi. Hey, Hi. No, never mad. Never mad right. at you, Tanner. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks away. so much, everyone. Yeah. So I um, I think I spoke to you, Tanner, like in my lowest moment in the winter when we had no leave, no nothing. Um, so I appreciate your time. I, I think we have my husband and I own the business. We started right before COVID. Um, I used to work in corporate. I have no painting background, but, uh, you know, some some business background, I guess you could say. Um, he's been painting since he was 17, lived in Costa Rica. We came back. Um, and so we started for COVID. So it almost feels like we've been playing catch up forever because we didn't have the opportunity to kind of set up like a business plan and get funding and this and that. So we've been kind of like winging it. Um, and now I'm at a point where we're like just shy of, of half a million over, you know, for the year, but it just feels like we, it's not sustainable to wing it. You know, it's not sustainable to, to not have like, uh, like a base for our estimates. Like every estimate I go and I, and I do, um, you know, I, I do the whole spiel and I try to sell, but like, I want to get to a point where I can sell right on the spot, you know, walk away with that signature on the iPad, like Tanya was saying, and, and, and leave knowing that I have the job, not sitting down and being like, okay, I'm going to put my measurements in Excel. I'm going to, you know, price it out, see what it looks like, compare it to a job similar to that and see if it, if it, you know, measures up and then send it out in an email. And then, you know, in a pretty, you know, we use our CRM and, um, pray that I hear back from them. And we get the job, you know, like I want a more legit hundred percent. Like I know with confidence, I'm going to get this job or even before I walk away. Well, you and I think from, you come from corporate, so you have a really good corporate <laughs> structure. I think when you're starting up a business, you need to throw out everything that you know about business and just look at the facts. And what I mentioned in our, my, my session was limiting beliefs. One of the things that you're struggling with is not being afraid to price it and, and lose money. If you're that tight on your measurements and trying to compare it to old jobs and like you're looking down, this is the analogy I'll give you. You're looking down, cranking these numbers and you're, and you're not looking in the eyes of your customer and recognizing that right now it's just about building relationships and mm -hmm. don't worry about losing money. 
you know, I think that generally speaking, you could ballpark a job and make money based off of you being in business since COVID. Any job that you come across, you can generally come close to what a profitable number would be. Would you agree? Probably, yep. Probably. Yeah. So my I husband think, might not think so, but yeah. But I think just going into it with the mindset of I, I'm okay. It's okay if I fail here. My focus is I want to learn how to sell on the spot. The only way you can do that is repetition. So going into these houses, you know, you, I have a free calculator. You can just pump in some costs and get a profit yeah. margin price, you know, to, to help you. But the idea behind like cranking in the numbers, you can create systems when it comes to estimating later. And I'm not saying that's not important. I'm just saying what's most important right now, what you just said is selling on the spot, getting that mm -hmm. signature, getting that check and feeling the feeling of, hold on a second. My customer didn't care about the measurements. They didn't care about the, even the paint that we're using. They cared about me and the promise I just conveyed to them that I'm going to do a good job. And that's what I believe works for me to get me to a certain point. And then once you ready to hire that salesperson or you hit a, hit a million dollars, that's when you use data and you crank out numbers and then you create the system. So it's not the Cynthia factor anymore. It's now a scalable, mm -hmm. repeatable business. Yeah. Because sometimes it feels like it's hard because like we lose, we're right outside of New York City. So like we're in the suburbs, we're up north. So we, our niche is high end resident, high end repaint residential, but like we compete with people that aren't necessarily insured, licensed, legal, you know? So like, I, sometimes I don't know if we lose out because of price or because, you know, like what, what you presented earlier was re resonated with me because it was kind of like, you know, selling off of that whole experience they need their want versus a price you know like getting to the point where where it matters is not necessarily price all the time and like the clientele we're aiming for they're not really too worried about price you know and so i don't know if when we lose jobs if it's because it's not the right client or it's we're, we're pricing wrong like i don't i don't i can't tell and so i don't know where to like shift my thing you know like where to shift our approach or my approach i, I have a, a I just where, where's your belief system in it? Like, what do you believe in, like, when you go into a house? Um, like, our quality? Like, like what? Yeah, like with personally your or like you... my company? Yeah. No, I believe we price fair and we price the quality of the work that we do. We're not the cheapest. We're not the most expensive, but we, we're fair priced and we deliver quality for, you know, high-end finishes. Yeah. It, it, and I promise you this. We do like I do about eight, 10 jobs a week. I'm definitely like up on the high scale of, of the job. I go in there with so much confidence. Like I put on a show in there. All right. <laughs> the customer, like they said, I had three. I went today before this. They, they wanted uh, three more estimates. And I, mm -hmm. I just, I, I brought them into my world and, you know, I, I, I was uh, laughing with them. I, I, you know, I with a joke. But they they didn't go to the other they canceled the other estimates because I was there, like Hannah said, looking at them, engaging them. I was the professional. I was leading the consultation. They're like, this guy, I maybe I'm paying five hundred dollars more than what I, my highest budget is. But man, I know I'm a hundred percent trusting that this guy could do it. It's almost like they want to be a part of your team. Like I think yeah. that your customers yeah. can become an extension of your team and the culture mm -hmm. that Alex brings, like most of them follow them on Facebook. So they see the shop, uh, they see the culture, they see all this. And it's like, 
people attract to that. They want to be a part of that. And like Cynthia, I think one thing that I want to, and I think Mike has a comment. I want you to go into your next estimate, believing that you have the best culture and will provide the best experience. And your job is to convey that belief to the customer each and every time. And having a systematic sales process is important because remember, everyone has different needs, wants, desires as to why they want the job done and your unique value propositions that you offer. But the goal here is for there to be no reason other than price for them to be mm -hmm. hesitant to go with you. And you, you won't know that until you sit in front of customers and present price. Because what happens is if you're going home right now and you're spending, it sounds like hours on estimates and you're emailing out those estimates, there's a chance you're not hearing back from anyone uh, in some cases, right? There's some cases where you just don't even hear back. They don't say anything to you after yeah. you send it, right? Right. Okay. Right. I mean, I'll follow up. But, but you need that I'll feedback up, but, yeah. in real time, though. Right. You want to present that price and have someone look at it and either gasp and, mm -hmm. you know, be like, what is this? <laughs> or be like, and, you know, this is the best when they look at their significant other and say, grab the checkbook. You know, like we've all mm -hmm. been there and that is the best feeling ever. And you think to yourself, man, like, that was awesome. I didn't have to fight for it. And I must've done a great job here and yeah. you need to get those reps in. So my challenge again is to just put the estimating behind you, sell and sell yourself. Okay. Yeah. okay? I think Mike's got to Yeah. Comment. Because I, yeah. I, it, it's weird. Cause I always, like, I always establish a good relationship with, with the homeowners always like, I, you know, we laugh, we smile, we, we go through it. We, you know, you know, in the end, it's almost like, not that you're friends, but you know, you've, you've established that. And so when we don't get those jobs, those are the ones I think that hurt the most because you're like, wait, I, you know, we got along so well, everything was great. And then all of a sudden, like, no, we're not interested, you know, so sorry, Mike. I no, all good. That's good information. Um, <clears throat> at, at one point it, it does like the relationship is wonderful, but at one point it does boil down to their needs and you could, you can love, like, say you're at a car dealership, you can love the salesman that you're talking to and you're a salesperson mm -hmm. having a great conversation, but they don't have the right car for you. You're not going to buy it. And that doesn't matter. Right. So you need to be selling what they need and, and, and solving those problems. And one of the best questions that I found you can ask is, uh, have you ever hired a painter before? Have you ever hired a contractor before? What was your experience? Mm -hmm. Right. And then what they're going to do is they're going to tell you the good and the bad of their previous experiences. And then when it goes, when you get to your presentation, you can pivot as those are the benefits. Those are the reason, reasons that they can, that they should go with you. So if they, if they say mm -hmm. I hired a roofer and it was awful, they left nails all over the yard or it was awful. I never knew if they were coming and going, well, you know, the job site cleanliness and communication are going to be really important just by those two little phrases. So now when you get to your presentation, Here's our communication schedule. Here's how we do communication. Here's how many times we text you and call you and blah, blah, blah. And then here's our job cleanliness procedures. They don't care about your paint. They don't care about, you know, whatever, you know, those other features. Just sell those, just sell to what's important to them. Okay. All right. And then one, one more, one more thing. Um, one thing's important to like, uh, I just, that you're not doing the estimates at the house. I would, I would say I close like 80 to 90% of my jobs at the house. And it's because what, even while I'm doing the estimate, I've come up with a system where I could do it in a, in a entertaining way. Like some people, um, you know, maybe you, you could bring a, a pad and they could look through your previous jobs while you're doing the car, you go to your car mm -hmm. five minutes, but you got to give them the price. Cause I've gotten, I'd say 25% of those that I close are with me asking the question. I, I give them the number and then I'm like, and if they, I, I can gauge now that I've been in sales so much, I go, so 
Uh, was that in your budget? Like one, and then then you they might have some rebuttal, and then when you get better at sales, you can handle those rebuttals. Maybe to the third question, and then you kind of relax a little bit. But you want to get their their budget because um, the the job I get a lot of jobs where they're like, yeah, well, my budget's here, and you're here. I'm like, all right, well, how about if I meet you in the middle and you sign up today? Does that sound good? Boom, they're like, yeah, you, I loved you. You got my budget. You made, gave me a deal, uh, and you showed me. Like Mike said, everything I wanted to see, hear and see, um, mm -hmm. you know, I signed up with, well, Tanner's phenomenal. He's been my friend, but like anything he tells me to do, I do. All right. Like, honestly, like that's because I trust him. And, but there's branding there. There's brother branding there, but like, he's like, yo, listen, go check out Austin. I called Austin. He's trying to sell me. I'm like, bro, just set, has set me up. I don't want to do anything. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> he knows that. I'm still pretty bad. Sorry. And now I'm looking at Mike. He seems like a high level individual. Um, I'm going to look into it a little more, but that's something now that's in my atmosphere and energy. I might, you know, give him a call and set up something because you want to be surrounded with high level individuals because he had like, I'm phenomenal with, you know, some energies and I, I dive into myself. Like I could show you how to do inner work to make your life better. Right. Mike has these, statistics and data like Tanner and Austin that maybe I'm not the best at. And it's okay. I look at myself in the mirror. These aren't my best. These guys, we could team up and be freaking an all-star team, you know, but for mm -hmm. me, and then I don't, you don't have to partner up with people. Um, but like in sales, sorry, I went off into a tangent, but like in sales, <laughs> you, you have to be at the house. You have to be super present. You got to bring the energy, uh, look into mirroring technique. So like you really engage the customer and try to mirror what they're doing. Cause if they see you're kind of doing the same thing, they are, they feel comfortable with you and you'll see huh. them relax. It's a, it's a psychological uh, benefit. Um, but you want to get the numbers. You, you want to see how you could get the deal then. And then even if you don't get it, then like follow up in like a, but the follow-ups yeah, become that. more strategic, right? So yeah, like, more strategic. Like, the, the yeah. Follow-ups are more strategic because you have, if you don't do that, your 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 one shot, which I believe the most important follow-up is the first one. Your one shot is figuring out what they think about your price. Well, yeah. if you mm -hmm. sat down with them and figured out what they thought about the price, you're going into the follow-up knowing that the only objection is price, so you have a better chance of having a successful follow-up. So, you know, I mean, there's just a lot there, but again, I think we've hit, hit the nail on the head about yes. selling on the spot. So we got yes, a couple yes, sure. Thank you. Take this. Thank you Thank so much. You. Hopefully we'll see you tomorrow. Come, come and yes, uh, I think again. we could talk yeah. about selling on the spot all day. It's <laughs> yeah, the best. So it's the most fun. It's the most fun when you yeah. engage yeah. the customer and they laugh, like you're so impressed that they laugh about your clothes, like with you, <laughs> like it's engaging your, ta your closing tactics, you yeah. know, I uh, got a couple more. Here we go. We got Ven here. Uh, Ven, how are you? If you just want to go ahead and unmute yourself, you're up, man. Yes. Thank you guys. Um, I'm in South Orange, uh, South California in Orange County. It's a very competitive uh, area. And we have a struggle uh, to get a, a business. Uh, uh, he, here's what's happening. So uh, because we're on the top, um, when you search the Google or Yelp and people contact us, it seems like they contact us first. We, we, we go there, uh, we do the estimate, they like us, they, we have five stars reviews. And, uh, and what's happening, they end up, because they use our uh, country, use our prices, 
to hire other people. And they end up with uh, companies who sometimes don't even have a license or they just bid the price. What would you suggest in that area? I'll speak to this one. So, and then I definitely want to hear from, from the other guys here, but we actually have a few clients in that area. So I'm very well aware of the competitive nature and the, the uh, competition that you're up against, right? Um, I think it sounds like you have a target audience issue. You might be targeting the wrong people. So even though they're calling you, they're actually price shopping. You want, might want to focus on targeting a different higher end buyer that is more comfortable with the, the service that you're offering over the actual price. Okay. And then maybe another question I posted on uh, for Tanner about the uh, drop jobs. Can that uh, platform could be used for HVAC contractors as well? Um, no, I tell I turn HVAC companies away because you're going to need a dispatching system uh, that can dispatch texts to appointments, like multiple appointments per day. Um, we're just not that type of software. I recommend Service Titan. Um, or House Call Pro, um, and I think even Work Is is a good one for that. They're they're central. Even Jobber, I think, actually is good for that. They, you know, a lot of users, a lot of movement throughout the day. That sort of software would be great for them. Got it. What about the uh, funnels? Is it possible to build the funnels on the uh, drip um, jobs? Uh, you know, and we stick with what we're good at. But you can zap any uh, funnel leads into drip jobs. So if you use click funnels, which that's what they're good at, um, you can create a funnel and then zap it into drip jobs uh, using Zapier. Got it. Thank you. You're and welcome. Very valuable information today. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you're very. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, so we got Lewis coming up. I think this is the last one we're going to take, guys. So uh, we appreciate everyone jumping in. Be the last one here. Lewis, go ahead, man. You're up. See if he's still with us. I can't end on that note. So if he doesn't answer, somebody else jump in and ask a question. Lewis, you're on mute. <laughs> he could be telling us his life story right now. He's on mute. Lewis. <laughs> He's got us in his pocket, probably. Anybody else got a question before we go? Ah, uh, Juan coming in, saving the saving the end. Hold on. There we go, Juan. Knew I could count on you. All right, here you go. All right, buddy, come on in. Uh, first of all, you guys all rock today. Thank you for everything. Greatly yeah, appreciated. Awesome, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Lewis is back. Right. We'll after this, Lewis, just hang out with us after one. I'm uh, in kind of a weird position now. I'm finally out of the field, you know. Um, I got enough where I could start a second crew. But if I start a second crew, I'm going to find the brush back in my hand. This, I guess this question is more for Tanner. What, what's my next step, man? Well, if you start a second crew, you're going to – you just need to hire – more than what you think you need to hire right now to start that second crew. Um, Why would you rush me back in your hand? Training and making sure jobs are getting done the right way. Well, that's, that's not, that's not that's the best. Thing. That's the best thing you could be doing with your time. Sorry, Tanner. Yeah. That's, that's high leverage activities training yeah. your team. Yeah. As long as the mindset is, is you're there temporarily, right? You're not there to stay there. You're there to do a training and get out. Like, I think that's the key one, but you're going to have to go through that valley 
um, it, with another crew. And, you know, and I think we've all been there. I think, you know, you're going to babysit the new crew, but I think it has to do with your leadership on the current crew right now. Um, do you have a crew leader? I assume. Yes. Yes. Okay. Is there someone yep. else on that crew that you would trust to run the second crew? No. So you have not necessarily that I wouldn't trust him because I trust him, but he don't have a skill set. He's a he doesn't have the skill set. He's he doesn't have skill sets. But what what skill sets are required to run a crew? I mean, you got to be able to finish mud. He can, he's he don't have he don't he's he can cut and roll. He can do all okay, the basic. But how's stuff. his communication and interpersonal skills? Good. Good. Yeah. Okay. So why does the crew leader have to have the the most skill sets? I guess he don't. You're right. He doesn't. He doesn't. You need to find somebody that communicates well and follows instructions the best. That's your crew leader. And then you can find a technician who's good at finish mud and all of those things to build around that person. Because if yeah, you but if I pull him from the first crew, then that leaves him them with only because it's only a crew of three. Okay. So, but you got to realize in terms of skill set, let's say you have A, B, and C, you're taking away a B that leaves you with an A and a C. The C gets promoted to a B, and now you need another C. Or you replace a B, but you got to look at it like you're moving parts around. You can't have a crew that's so dependent on the second player. The crew should be dependent on the person leading the charge, especially if you're you're growing. Um, but you know, I think that the first thing you need to do is identify leadership. That's key, and then from there, skill set. I think leadership first, skill set second. You know, the first crew is going to have a little bit of a production hit, but you're growing. That's going to happen. Leadership yeah. is so much harder to train than taping it is. And You already trust this person. You've worked with them. Like, you you know, if you call them, hey, is the customer happy? Or, hey, what's going on here? You, you don't have to learn this person to a degree that you will someone brand new running a crew. That's so hard to do, Juan. You need to promote someone from within. Yeah. Okay. All right. I could uh, definitely see that working out. Alex, you got like, anything uh, uh, one second. Uh, just so real quick with when I expanded to Dallas, it was my GM. He trained, he was with me for two, three years. I trained him in my mindset. We trusted each other, you know, immensely. Uh, we went out there knowing it, we didn't have it all planned out, but how we've done, how, how our relationship is and we've done business. We knew he would get out there and we reverse engineered it and at least had a, a plan, but more more HFEV baby than a plan, you know, like we were high energy Love frequency it. vibrancy where we knew it was going to work. We knew there was going to be speed bumps. You got to expect some things, but you got to be able to, you know, trust that guy. Cause if, when it gets volatile, that's when you see the true personality. And if you don't know that guy and then some savage comes out, you're in trouble, buddy. You know? So you want to get that trusted individual and, and move up. That's why I said holistically and organically in my company, uh, the manager who I moved up, I, we'd even skip a beat. It's even, it's just as good or better as it was when Eli was there, who's running Dallas. So um, I just keep people just keep coming up because I mentor them and evolve them. So that's something maybe you should look into uh, really coaching and teaching your guys and working on their mindset so that everyone's ready to step up like, uh, you know, next man up. A lot of teams say that. So that's how I kind of run my team my family actually yeah i love it sounds great it sounds like a, a theory i could actually put into you i could implement you know 
Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to bring Lewis up. Juan, appreciate you as always, brother. We'll talk soon. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. Thank Alex, you, you guys, you rocked it today, Alex. Thank you for everything, man. Your, your uh, energy is amazing. <laughs> I went to sleep right after. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Took a nap in the, in the crib right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Juan. All right. One more. We got, we got Lewis. Let's make sure we just get Lewis taken care of and then we'll get out of here. I think we're all at our capacity. Lewis, uh, come on up, Lewis. See if we can. There he is. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, thank you for your time. Um, so I just started a com- uh, the company a year ago in April in my first year and I uh, had a very rocky start. Um, you know, uh, no momentum into the summer, bad economy, and a lot of rain here in California. But uh, we're we're doing much better now. Um, I have 12 guys right now, and uh, I'm pretty tapped out of my capacity. And so my question is, what's I, I have someone that um, I want to promote from within to help me uh, manage some projects. Kind of be like a general foreman where um, can help me do the QC. What are what's the best advice to transition into um, trusting some of the uh, responsibility and getting some some uh, responsibility off my plate? Mike, you want to grab it? That's a big question, man. (laughs) Do you trust this person? Yes, yes. Um, You know, one of the things that I'm very clear on as I bring someone on board is um, that I highly core value is um it's first it starts out with competent and can can they learn quick enough and and do the job but ultimately is um trustworthy that is the biggest um core value at our company the first first thing is going to be to like define what you want define the job role just like we were talking about a couple questions ago define what you want this person to be doing um, I have some priority management templates that I could fire you. Um, if you just send me a text, I put my phone number a little bit above. If you can send me a text, I'll send you these priority management templates. And basically um, you will uh, fill these out and you're going to figure out what you're doing, what you're spending your time on, are, how, what level of priority are, are they? And then from that, you're going to find the tasks that you need to be adding to this job role, just this responsibility, right? And then once you have it all, you'll be able to kind of estimate about what price point you should be able to hire this out for just because you have history with this guy that does not mean you should be paying him more than the job that you're um offloading to him is worth but if he's like tanner said if he's managing jobs if he's talking to customers he's picking up checks if he's you know dealing with painter conflict um that is a very high you know level and a, and a big role big shoes to fill and that can therefore be compensated adequately and then the, the final step is making sure that the compensation structure matches the outcome that you want right? Like I said before, do you want customer experience? Do you want painter experience? Do you want uh, operational smoothness? And then create a bonus structure around that. I see. Got it. And in regards to transitioning him to that leadership and authority position, what's the best advice? Because you know how sometimes the team members can resent that one of their peers is now uh, above them in, in, in a sense. What, what are some, you know, practices for them best practice for them pan you want to take this one position i zoned out for a second man sorry i'm responding some texts can you can you okay no i want to answer go ahead repeat that one more time lewis sorry 
Yeah, basically, um, what are some best practices uh, to transition someone into a leadership role? Because I know that sometimes... From what, from um, what know, position? Is he, a is he a painter currently? Uh, he's a foreman. Foreman. Okay. That's a leadership so, role already. I mean, in terms of a an actual uh, like leadership team role, right? Is that the, is that what you're looking for? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you're operating. Yes, in, yes. Uh, you're operating in that role now, right? So I think the first thing is, yes. is think about what it would be like if you were to give yourself a promotion in your own company. First of all, identify what does training look like. What are the responsibilities that this person needs to do on a daily basis? What does success look like for this role? And ultimately, like Austin said. Um, Coaching helps because he's been given a set of instructions by whoever he follows or listens to in terms of mentorship to say, listen, if you want to bring in a players and you want them to be successful, you need to give them a roadmap. You know, ultimately, anyone that's a leadership role, they want uh, milestones to hit. They want to know that they're being successful. So identify what I mean, in your words, what is what is a success? What does success look like in project management in your company? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say um, the managing the QC, I think that's fundamental to um, getting repeat is just making sure that uh, he's uh, helping me um, with QC. And then in those moments where maybe the quality is not to our standards, helping me train. So I would say that's the biggest part. Let me ask you, let me ask you this, because I want to get somewhere with this. Were you listening to Nick Slavic's uh, speech when he was here? No, no, I wasn't able to. Do you, do you know who who Nick is? No. Okay. So I'm pretty new. uh, Just heard of, of of this event. Yeah. So, so he's someone that's very, very into numbers. Right. And if I were to ask him what success looks like in project management for his company, I guarantee you he would spit out some form of metric to measure what success looks like. And there's definitely, you know, what you mentioned, there's, there's some things in terms of quality control and there's responsibilities, but what you want to really find out is what is that metric? I think project management is optimization of production. That's what my definition. When we say optimization, that's making sure that, you know, customer satisfaction is optimum and we are capitalizing on our opportunities and we're optimizing our, our spend, our costs, right? So uh, um, a, a, yeah. a, your monthly job costing review uh, and I, identifying if, you know, what, what certain costs are building and he should also be building and recruiting subcontractors. I mean, like how many subcontractors were recruited in, in the last 30 days? How many positive reviews were garnished? Like when you start measuring every little thing in your business, it gives someone working for you the ability to track if they're progressing. Um, so that's kind of my mm-hmm. spiel on it. I mean, that's that's at least the, the mindset I would have Makes going sense. into that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pit piggyback off of that as well. So Nick Slavic and I both run our companies on a software or software on an, um, a, a program or um, a way to structure your company called EOS, and it stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. Uh, there's a book called Traction. I highly recommend you, you go read. Um, and basically, the, if you're looking ever looking at somebody, determining if they're trying to um, let's say fill a particular seat. It gives you a great way to identify if that is the right person for the right seat. And there's three metrics that you measure anybody who works in any company on, and that is whether they get it, they want it, or they have the capacity to do it. So if one of those three things fail, more than likely they're not going to be successful in that in that role. 
So just to break that down real simple, get it is that they understand how to do their job from a technical standpoint, right? So that requires training. Want it is they want to get out of bed every day and show up for their job. They actually want that job. Capacity is whether they have the physical capacity to get the job done. So that could mean hiring somebody else to help supplement their work. This holds true in any company, in any role, in any position. The, the, now, out of those three, Lewis, do you, do you know which one is going to be the most important? I would say if they want it. Yeah, bingo. There is a right and a wrong answer to that question. <laughs> we ask anybody that we hire that exact question. And if they don't say want it, they're not, they're not going to be a good fit because they don't understand that that is the most important component of that. They have to want it. You can train somebody, you can hire more people, but if they don't want that job, they're not going to go out and actually want to learn more about that. Um, so I would recommend going to read the book Traction. It talks through the, exactly how to build a company around EOS. And to Tanner's point, Nick uses what's called scorecards within EOS. So every position has a KPI and a scorecard tied to that. It gives you a roadmap on how to scale your, your business. Highly recommend it. Oh, so good. Greatly appreciate it. Everything awesome, made a lot guys. of sense. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. We're going to wrap up today. Uh, blast off 2023. Hope to see you guys tomorrow. If you haven't done so already, uh, go to dripjobs.com, put in the coupon code blast off and you get to use drip jobs for 60 days for free. Um, we'll give you a free training too. So that's pretty cool. Um, again, thank you guys, everyone for being here. Make sure you check out paintergrowth.com. Go check out Mike's uh, coaching uh, business. He's awesome. Check out base coat marketing. And Alex uh, is there for mindset. If you feel as though something that Alex said today resonated with you, reach out. It's alex at cabinetcodingkings.com. Uh, you can send him an email. Um, you guys are awesome. So uh, tomorrow we got Eric kicking us off with uh, Pathfinder Marketing. And it's a really good topic, anti-marketing uh and Love it. the changes in marketing in today's day and age especially relating to facebook so jump in with us tomorrow at 9 a.m tell your friends about it anyone can join and we will see you guys tomorrow peace see you guys